Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just praise you tonight and we thank you that you're a holy God, an awesome God, a marvelous God, a wonder-working God, one who hears us, Lord God, and moves when we call upon your name. Father, we just give you praise and glory tonight. Praise and glory tonight. Holy Spirit, you have a purpose tonight. Let that be brought forth in each of our lives tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me give you a good testimony. Uh, yesterday, I uh, received a, a text message from um, uh, Gloria Jenkins and um, her brother... I have to remember, I think his name was Harry. Um, she said was being rushed to the hospital. Um, yeah, he has lung cancer, and they were taking him to the hospital because he was bleeding in the brain and asked for us for to pray. So I began to pray. I sent a text message to Tiger, and I think he contacted some of the people and began to pray. And so this afternoon... Uh, well, actually, about 5.30 this evening, I got a text message from her saying, Pastor Bob, thank you for all the prayers. Harry is doing a lot better. The bleeding stopped, and he is out of the hospital and going home. Now, come on. Come on now. When you're bleeding in the brain, and they dismiss you the next day to go home, that's a miracle. That's I don't care. You may say, "Oh, well, that's just medicine." You know, yeah. No, I'm telling you, they've kept me in the hospital for less than that. You know, I mean, that just that's because God answers prayer. He delights in answering our prayers, and so um, I just I just had to lead off with that. I, I, like if nobody has anything else to testify about, I'm going to testify about that. I mean, bleeding on the brain, sending them home the next day. God is good. God is good. What a merciful God we have, huh? Amen. Somebody, now last last week at the end of the thing, does anybody have a testimony tonight you want to share? Quick testimony. Or something you want to give the Lord praise for, thanks for, anything he's done for you. Anyone? I'm enjoying that character study. Like just going through the scriptures and just starting to just dig deeper and look to see what kind of character shows up about God. I love that. I, I've done it in the past, but I'm glad you brought that up again. Yeah. It's been rich. I haven't had a lot of time because I've had appointments. Praise God. That's good. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Okay. Well, then let me get right into the teaching tonight. Um, I'm going to read the scriptures I read last week. I'll do it all four weeks, actually. Ephesians 4, 13 to 15. Um, again, uh, Paul is writing to the church believers in Ephesus, and he's saying that God has given gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the maturing of the body of Christ. And he begins in verse 13, he says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and the, and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what he's talking about, he's, he's saying that all of us are to mature and that the church becomes 
the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, and that is Christ. So we're doing this little series on four levels of spiritual growth. This is the second week. Uh, first week is online, but I'm going to review the first week real quick. Um, we, we noted last week that uh, just as biological growth, we don't, we don't think it's strange when a baby's born and the baby begins to grow. We don't go, well, that's weird. No, it's, not, it's a natural thing. And so it's a, it should be the same way in our spiritual walk. And uh, 3 John 1 and 2, this verse of Scripture is taken out of context so many times. But uh, the writer says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the standard or measuring thing is as your soul spirit prospers, then he prays that you would prosper in other ways. And so we know that many people today are want, are wanting the blessings, but they're not they're not wanting the understanding and that both responsibility and accountability go hand in hand with those blessings. And they desire to prosper, but they don't want to have to grow spiritually. And we said that the growth of the corporate body of Christ is directly dependent upon individuals growing in, in their part. And so I want to go back and read this again in verse 15 and 16. It says, instead... In other words, instead of being tossed to and fro, instead of being childlike, instead of being wishy-washy, he says he wants you to be instead um, grow up to where you can speak the truth in love and we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body and, um, it, and it's held together and support, every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love and each part does its work. And so um, this series comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 12, 13, and 14. And in there, um, there are four levels of growth that we identified last week, and we're going to look at it again real quick this week. Um, the scripture talks about, he, he, he uses the phrase children twice, and yet the Greek word for children is different. Um, and so the first one is, is a word that means babies, brand new babies. The second one, the time he uses children, little children, it means toddlers, okay? Um, it's a different Greek word that he talks about young men or youth, um, and that's what it means. And in uh, Hebrew custom, uh, a, a, a man was a young man up to 30 years or so of age. And then he speaks of fathers uh, is a Greek word that means mature adults. So last week we looked at the first level and um, I'm sorry I had all those things right there and I didn't even put them up there. And we said the main, the main thing about last, uh, the level one is, is that it's a level of dependence. Think of a brand new baby. That brand new baby knows only how to do a few things. It knows how to cry, it knows how to sleep, it knows how to poop, and, and it, it knows how to eat. And that's about it. I mean, that's all. Um, 
1 John 2 and 12 says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for, you, for his name's sakes. And, and we said that the characteristics of a, of a baby, a spiritual baby, was that they're aware that their sins have been forgiven. When I came to the Lord, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know anything about phrases like born again or anything like that. I, I, I just knew I was... I was a baby. I knew nothing. And um, I knew that my sins were forgiven. And even then, I didn't even know, understand that. But I knew, I, I felt clean. I, I was scrubbed, scrubbed out. And, and the other thing is that they know Christ as Savior. I didn't know Christ as anything else. You know, and I've had a discussion with a pastor one time, and he didn't like it. Um, but I was a I was his youth pastor, and he didn't like me telling him. But I I just told him. He said he he made the statement. He said you cannot have Jesus as Savior and not have him as Lord. And I said then I don't know what people you're talking to, because three fourths of your church or more. They know Jesus as Savior, but they have not committed their life to Him as Lord. And and that's the way baby Christians are. They know they've been saved. They know their sins have been forgiven, but they know nothing about lordship. And so we, we identified a couple of the problems. They're tremendously dependent. They're usually uh, very feeling-oriented. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're not very discerning. Remember I talked about that they'll put, a baby will grab anything and put it in its mouth without even thinking twice, okay? And um, they're often self-centered, um, and they're incapable of reproduction. They, 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 babies don't make babies. That's just the way it is. And we said if they're going to grow from level one spiritually to level two, then they have to get tired of the, being in the spiritual playpen. In other words, they've got to be, they got to get tired of me, 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 take care of me, 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 me. Uh, they have to get tired of whining and crying. They have to get to the place where they're ready to grow, uh, and they must get tired of being bottle-fed. In other words, they, they're not going to get in the Bible. They're not going to get in here and dig it out for themselves. They just want to just, you know, God to give it to them, you know, the preacher to give it to them, or somebody else break it up into little pieces. You know how you do that with a little baby? And break it up into little, little pieces. Here you go, you know. And uh, I used to have a poster one time, and it, had a, it was a picture of a big church with a lot of people all dressed real nice and everything, and the pastor was standing behind the pulpit, and he had a giant milk bottle. <laughs> and he was like, like, here's the sermon for the day. And I used to have that. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I, I can't find it anywhere. I don't know what happened to it. I had it a long time ago. And, um, but I said, it really defined the average church. I mean, it really is. Um, the, 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 like I said, they have to get tired of being bottle fed. And they have to be ready to grow up. The, so level two, the first one is a level of dependence. The second level that we find in 1 John 2 is a level of conflict. Okay? Now, stop and think about this. We have, in the natural, you have babies, right? Everybody loves the little babies. But what happens when they turn two and three and four? You start hearing, mine, 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 right? I mean, 
it, it goes from being cute and cuddled. Be quiet! <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it changes. It's a level of conflict, okay? In 1 John 2 and 13, here's what it says. I have written to you children because you know the Father. The word children is, is the Greek word that means toddler. It's pet. Uh, it's padion. Uh, means, it means toddler. Okay? And so he's saying here, because you have known the Father. So here are the characteristics of, of uh, the person at this age. It, it's the idea of a small boy or girl, toddler, that's beginning to walk, beginning to talk, beginning to be able to get around on their own. And it's the use of this word stresses the immaturity of this person. Nobody would think a three-year-old is mature, or four, or five, or whatever. And what they are in need of is instruction. They need instruction. They need guidance. You know, um, you know when your parents, I don't know about you, when I was growing up, my parents would say to do something, I'd say, why? And they'd say, because I said so. And that was the instruction I got until I got old enough that I could reason things and then they would, they would explain a little more. But when I was little, you, you don't sit with a two, three, four, five-year-old and sit down and reason with them. I know people who have done that and it just drives me crazy. I've seen kids throwing a tantrum in a toy department of, a, of the local store and the parents trying to reason with them. Um, you know... When I was growing up, my parents were like, you want to cry, I'll give you a reason to cry. That was reasoning, you know, I mean, and so, you know, that meant I better put a halt on it or I was really going to be crying and I was going to be hurting too, you know. And, um, and I'm, not, I'm not being, you know, loose about that, but that, that was the truth. That's the way it was. And... Um, uh, Second only to forgiveness is in importance for the new community of believers is their understanding of relationship with our heavenly Father. Why? It says, it said there, what did the scripture says? It says they, they are increasing in their knowledge of God. He says, I have written to you because you know the Father. He had written to little children he said, because you know salvation. That's all they know. Now they're growing a little bit spiritually, and now they're increasing in their knowledge of God. He says, you know the Father. And this is, after salvation, this is maybe the second most important thing at this point in their life. Because what that, what's happened is, they've come to know God on the parent side, if I can put it that way. You know, when the baby is little and they're cuddly and cute and all that kind of stuff, you know, we're a parent because we're caring and taking care of them. But when they get a little bit older and they can begin to discern right and wrong and know when they're doing wrong and all those kinds of things, then they see another side of parent that they've not seen up until then. Because they're beginning to know something about chastening, training, and discipline. Right? I mean, 
we want them to grow up in a proper manner. In, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, there's from verse 5 through 13. I'm going to put all the verses on the screen so you can see it. But it says, the writer of Hebrews says, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And he says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Again, we're talking about in a spiritual sense here, right? And he goes on, he says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Can't say that so much in this day and age, but, you know, the concept is there. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? He says, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Notice something there. Those who have been trained by it. So there is the potential to not be trained. And that means to rebel against God, okay? He says, therefore... And anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you have to ask what is therefore. It makes sense. He's just laid out an argument. He's laid out his, he's laid the groundwork. Father's love, father's discipline, not because of meanness, but because they, they love you, they want you to be your best, everything. Therefore, he says, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. In other words, stand up and begin to walk rather than crawl. That's, that's, what, he's, that is, that's what he's saying. So here are, the, here are the problems of those who are at this level of conflict. Most of their problems can be described as conflicts. Literally, conflicts. I don't know anybody who wakes up and goes, I love conflicts. You know. How many of you have ever had a phone ring and you knew it was a problem? On the other end, without even looking at it or anything else, you just knew it was a problem, right? Um, most of their problems are conflicts. For example... Put two three-year-olds in a room with one toy. Now, that's not real smart on your part. But put two three-year-olds in a room with two toys, and I guarantee you, you're going to have two individuals who want to do something with the, with the toys a different way. And they're going to go, no, do it like this. No, do it like this. No, do it like this. There's the conflict, okay? And so... What I found is in, in people who are at this level in their spiritual walk, there's four different areas that they can have conflict. Okay, The first one is with the devil. He's real. Okay, 
Um, they seem to be constantly dealing with false doctrine. Why? Because they have a lack of knowledge. Right? They, they don't have the knowledge, so they, they can't discern true doctrine from false doctrine. The second thing they deal with is guilt. How many of you remember in your early walk with God where you just felt condemned all the time? That was the, that was the tool the enemy would use to come against you to make you feel like God had given up on you. He would just produce guilt and guilt and guilt and guilt and guilt. And that comes from a lack of understanding God's word too. And the third thing is oppression. And that's, that's demonic. And, and, and what it, that's from is a lack of assurance. A lack of that, you know, maybe the, the, the devil, he's so big, he's so powerful. Oh, I don't have any choice. You know, that kind of thing. So the first area of conflict is with the devil. The second biggest area of conflict is with self. With themselves, okay? They're, in, they're experiencing internal stirrings in response to temptation. And during this time, they experience a lot of frustrations because they haven't learned how to deal with the flesh the Bible talks about. And one of the biggest helps to me was when a man sat me down and said, go read Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. And read it again, and read it again, and read it again, and read it again. And once I, once I began to do that, I began to see. Here was the Apostle Paul writing in his ministry. He wasn't early in his ministry at all because he's in Rome. And it's near the end of his ministry. He's writing to the believers in Rome. And he's talking about the struggle that he has. The things that I want to do are the things that I don't do. And the things I don't want to do are the things that I do. He said, oh, what a wretched man am I. You know, and there's this spiritual tug of war that's going on inside of him. And that conflict breeds all kinds of issues inside. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, it says this. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In verse 25 it says, and if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, I never knew what that meant as an early Christian. I really didn't. Walk by the Spirit. I mean, the only Spirit I knew growing up was Casper. You know? I mean, I remember going to catechism class and they'd be talking about the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost and I'm thinking Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know, I mean, I had no idea what that was and so I'm, I'm serious. And so when I come to the Lord and I'm in high school and, and I came to the Lord and he says, if we live by this, walk by the Spirit, I'm kind of like, you know, kind of spooky, like, ooh, you know, walking in the Spirit. I had no idea what that meant. And um, the word walk there is a, is a, is, it means to conform. It's a military word. Think of, uh, you've seen movies and stuff or TV shows or something where somebody gets sent off to boot camp. You know, and they go into boot camp and they, they shave their heads and they take all their personal items and stuff and give them whatever they need. And the first thing they, they start teaching them more than anything else is how to march. You know? And, and, and I don't care how many times somebody says left, there's somebody that's got a right that's going down with that left. 
And I, I mean, I used to hear that, you know, in high school and sports and stuff like that, you know. And they would say, go left. And the guy would go right, you know. And I'm like, he said, not that left, the other left, you know. You know? And, and, uh, but you see people walking along and, you know, and there's always that one that's trying to, you know, keep in step. And, and in the church, I see that with clapping. You know, you, everybody, and then you got the one that's trying to get there, you know. And, um, and, but the word is a military word, and it means to conform. It means to get in step. That's what it means. Walk in the Spirit means get in step. So get in step with the Holy Spirit. Get in step. That's what it means, okay? So we have conflict with the devil. We have conflict with ourselves. We need to get our own lives together. We need to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, okay? The third thing may be surprise, but it's conflict with God. Because they don't understand why God doesn't answer their prayers according to their schedule and every whim that they have. And they can't understand, understand why God doesn't jump when they bark off his promises. And, and, and their need is that they need to come to a place where they learn submission to authority. And when they learn submission to authority, the conflict will cease. They have to understand that God is not there to please them. We are here to please God. And not please God like a puppet on a string kind of thing, you know. But it says, in Revelation it says, And for your pleasure they are created. All things are created. And so, again, it's, it's the idea of a three-year-old throwing a tantrum uh, until they get their own way. And, 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 and that produces a conflict, okay? That conflict ends when the tantrum ends. And we recognize that God is God. And God is going to do it His way. And... Um, we pray and we believe God to do something. But I, I long time ago, learned. And, and I had people tell me, you're not a man of faith. And I'm like, I think it, 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 it's, it is faith. But I would pray, Lord, and do it in such a way that it brings you the glory and no man, no person can take credit for it. Now, to me, that's a biblical prayer. Because if I tell God how he has to do it, I can tell you 99 to 9 tenths of the time, he's not going to do it the way I tell him to do it. He's going to do it a different way. So why try and tell God how to do it, but understand that he's in, he's in authority, he's going to do it. And, and when we realize that he's not, we can throw spiritual tantrums and go, well, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to do this. 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 And God said, fine, do, do what you're going to do. All you're doing is messing your own life up. And then you're going to end up coming full circle and having to repent, and you lost all that time. So the fourth area is conflict with others. So we've had conflict with self, and we've had conflict um, uh, uh, with 
um, the devil and we had conflict with God and now we have conflict with others. And this is because at this level in their life, they haven't yet seen the reality of the body of Christ. They often are competing with others instead of completing others. Competing. And, and they'll eventually learn, hopefully, to put others first. And when they put others first, the conflict ends. What's the purpose of competition? To be number one, right? But Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, learn to serve. So you got to go down to go up. And Jesus, and, and Jesus said we had to learn to serve. Let me give you a few examples. Matthew 20, 27. Um, it, it's the idea of competition versus servanthood. And, and two and three and four and five-year-olds, they're competing. They're, they're wanting to be number one. Um, as you get older, then you learn to put others first. In Matthew 20, 27, it says, And whosoever will be the chief among you, let him be your servant. Matthew 23, 11, But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Mark 9, 35 says, And sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Mark 10, 44, And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. So how do we grow from level two to level three? How do we grow out of the level of dependence? We understand that. Now we're in the level of conflicts. How do we grow out of that? Let me give that, those to you. The first thing is that they, they, they must come to understand the reality of Christ in themselves. Um, again, toddlers are selfish mine mine stop touching that it's mine mine no no i want that i want that um and what a lot of times is they don't understand spiritually um they want everything for themselves and what they need to understand is who christ is inside of them okay second corinthians 4 6 says for god's said let light shine out of darkness made, the, made this his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge or knowing of the glory of God in the face of Christ verse 7 says but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power and that word power again is the word dunamis where we get the word dynamite this power is from God and it's not us okay so they have to understand the reality of who Christ is the second Second thing is they must learn the difference between the flesh and the devil. Christians at this level often rebuke what they need to crucify. And um, uh, they, they frequently experience frustration and defeat because they're blaming everything on the devil when if they take a good look in the word, the word would become a mirror to their soul and they'd realize that most of their issues are from themselves. And as long as we want to blame the devil, then nothing's going to get fixed. 
It's just like the victim mentality we have in, in, in our culture today. We want to blame everybody else for our problems. Well, there may be some validities to some of that, but the majority of people who have that mindset, it's other people. It's, it's themselves that's bringing about it. They need to learn to resist the devil. That's what the Bible says. Draw near to God, resist the devil, and, and then crucify the flesh. Walk in the spirit. That's what the scripture talks about. And, and there's no way for them to go on to level three if they don't learn to do this. There's no way. In Galatians 5, verse 17 through 24, it says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. There it is right there. There's that tug of war. The sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And how many of you started off with good intentions and then, like, maybe, maybe there's an issue between you and somebody. And you say, I'm going to go get this, we're gonna just, I'm going to make this right. We're gonna just, I'm going to go apologize, do whatever, I'm, we're just going to make this right. And you have all the good intentions of doing that, but somewhere in the middle of your apology or whatever, that person says something or does something or just looks at you a certain way and it just irritates you and then you go back down that road again. You know, that old thing about when you go to apologize, don't try to justify. And so many people, you know, they'll, they'll go, you know, I'm really sorry for what I did, but you just don't understand what I was going. Forget it. You just lost it right there. And... Um, it goes like this, he says, but, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, the, the, the natural law uh, that's within ourselves. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I mean, it just goes on. Like, And he goes on, he says, I warn you, He's, now, he's writing to Christians. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's so many people who just treat salvation like a get-out-of-jail-free card. And Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you live by its natural desires, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and, and we've allowed the, in the church today and as a whole in America, we, we have believed the culture and brought it into the church and allowed it to transform us into the ways of the world rather than us transform the world. Um, I don't know how many people saw it. I don't want to give it a lot of notoriety or anything like that. But uh, it was in an article several days ago, and then it was again yesterday. So I sent it to a couple minister friends of mine. And, and uh, it was simply um, the number one song on Christian Billboard was from a drag queen artist.
and she, her drag queen name is taken after Amy Grant. It's Flamey Grant. And the song, and, and, and they have the video and everything, but it's the number one song on the Christian billboard charts. Not secular. And when I sent it out, several people wrote back. They said, this is disgusting. And I'm going, here's the thing. It's the Christians who promoted it to the number one chart on the chart. How can we, how, how do we get to that place? Because we live in like this. Like Galatians talks about, not living according to the spirit. Um, he goes on, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. I want you to notice that. We, we can pray that God help us overcome these things in our life. But he says you have to crucify those things. And, and, and that means you have to, whatever it is, you know, Jesus even talked about it. He says, if your eye is going to send you to hell, then purge, cat, you know, pluck it out. So what he was saying, what he's saying here is, he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature. So the things that affect you, that take you down and, and trip you up in your spiritual walk, God is saying, You've got to crucify them. In other words, you have to do whatever it takes to get rid of those things. And I could, if I had the time, I'd tell you stories as a young Christian in some areas that God began to deal with me as a teenager about certain things. And I had to make hard choices. Hard choices. That impacted other people's lives also. But I had to come to the place, was I more fearful of not pleasing God or was I going to live in such a way that my friends would, would not question my walk and, and, and I'm just telling you it was hard it was really hard but I had to make those choices because I know those things were holding me back they were pulling me I'd take three steps forward and get pulled four steps back. And I got tired of that dance. And I knew that I wasn't going to go on unless I broke free. And I had to make that break. That's crucifying the sinful nature. That, and and I, I pointed this out a few weeks ago. I don't remember when, but anyway, when you think about crucifying Jesus, they nailed his hands you know, to the tree, and they nailed his feet. But if you think about crucifying yourself, you can nail one hand, and you can nail your feet, but you can't nail this hand. And God will send somebody along to do that for you. And, and it usually ain't somebody that you want. Anyway, it's not like your best friend or whatever. He's going to use the person that just drives you up the wall. I'm just telling you now, that's what happens. And if they're going to grow on to the next level, they must learn the importance and power of submission to authority. The importance of it 
and the power that comes by submitting. That seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? How can I get powerful by submitting? <laughs> and, and yet, that's the way it works. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, through the first part of 9, it says, The sinful mind is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's not law, nor can it do so. So think about this now. How many times have you heard somebody say, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do... Your mind, your natural mind is naturally hostile towards God. And it says, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. We have to understand, we're not going to make ourselves better by thinking or you know, repeating a, a mantra or whatever. He says, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Cannot. You, however, he says, controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. So here's the thing. Does the spirit come to live inside of a Christian when they give their life to Christ? Yes, he does. Jesus says he's come. And so that does away with the, the excuse, I can't help myself. Yeah, you can. You just need to turn to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God, and you need to do some things, whatever it takes. And, and I just tell you, as, for young Christians especially, I find that it's, it's not only a matter of getting in this Word, but if there's an area or two in your life that is, is constantly tripping you up, you need someone who's spiritually mature to be accountable to. And I, I'll tell you what I told someone just the other day. And, and I had an area in my life, and I called three different men that I knew, that I respected, that were men of the Lord. And I said, I'm, I'm struggling in, in a certain area in my life. And I think I got it under control. Months go by and all of a sudden, boom, here comes this issue again. And so I said, I want to be accountable to you. And at any time, you can ask me three questions. And the first question is, have you been in the word? Are you praying? And are you going after God? The second question is, have you fallen in that area in your life? Have you sinned against God? And the third question is, have you lied about either one of the answers to question one and two? And I said, at any time you can come and ask me. Of course, that would be done in a private way or manner or whatever. You know, you wouldn't go, hey, how you doing with that? You know, across the room. You know, obviously you're not mature. And nobody should be talking to you. Um, but 
But um, he's, saying, he's saying this, you cannot be controlled by the sinful nature. So you got to get the upper hand. And so knowing that one of my three brothers at any time in the Lord could pick up the phone. They had to pick up the phone back then because we didn't have cell phones. <clears throat> but they could pick up the phone at any time or they could show up at a meeting or something and say, Hey, come here. How are we doing? What are we I got to decide, am I going to tell the truth or am I going to lie? And now if I'm lying, I'm in worse shape than before. And so it helped me just knowing that at any time they could call me, it kept me on the straight and narrow. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about anything weird thing. It's just an area, a weak area in my life that I needed accountability. Luke chapter 10 verse 17 says, And the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Romans 13 and 1 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist, that is at every level in our life, have been established by God. So they've got to learn the power of submission. The power that comes from that. They must become servant in attitude and action. Um, they must become servant in attitude and action. That conflict ends when they learn to serve others rather than everybody expecting to serve them. You know, I mean, it's just, I've seen it. Look, I started a church. My first pastorate was a brand new church. All but one person were Catholics. Now that was fine because that's what I was raised. They all got saved at the same time. In the first year, year and a half, we started a home church, moved into a building eventually, bought some land, the whole nine yards. But in the first year and a half, those people worshipped the ground my wife and I walked on. But when two and three came around, they knew more than we did and didn't have any trouble telling us what was wrong with us and how it should be done. And I'm telling you, we had a whole church like that. See, that's the benefit of the body of Christ. You have people at different levels and maturity in their life and experiences and everything. Start a brand new church with brand new Christians. And just picture yourself with all nursery babies. They, I'm just telling you, it's, it's an experience. I'm not sure it's a godly one, but it's an experience. Um, they have to learn to serve others. And we used to have, once a month we had, a, um, I don't remember if it was the, I think it was the last Sunday of the month, first Sunday of the month, I don't remember. On a Sunday night we'd have a fellowship night and we'd, we'd just come to the church and everybody would bring, you know, something to eat and we'd have people playing guitars or people over here playing board games and people over here just talking, you know, doing whatever. But when it came time to eat, I'm telling you, it's like pigs to the trough. And, and literally, I had to stop people every month from going back through the line with containers they had brought 
to take food home when people hadn't even been through the line yet. And they'd get angry with me because they said, yeah, but I have family at home that didn't come and I have to feed them when I get home. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here tonight. I'm like, but there's 15 people behind you that are here and they haven't eaten yet. And they didn't see, they didn't understand why I was taking that position. That's, that's immaturity because that's when it, they're self-centered about themselves. It's all about them. They got to learn to serve others. And uh, so anyway, um, Paul concludes to the church in Ephesus. He says, be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. And you may think this verse really doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm mature. I'm not like that. Well, you may say your, your foundation is biblically solid. I'm not taken in by fads or anything like that. But listen to the rest of what Paul says here. He says, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and deceitful scheming. Maybe you don't bite on every fad that comes down the road. But Jesus warned in the last days, the number one sign of the last days would be deception. He spoke about deception four times more than anything else. Earthquakes, famines, pestilence, we all know that stuff. But Jesus mentioned deception, 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 deception. And the devil will float 99 truths if he can pass one lie, get you to bite on one lie, and that one lie send you to hell. For example, how easily swayed are you by the conflicts that you face each day? Oh, but that's at work. No. Are you a Christian at home and not at work? Okay. How are you handling the evil plans of those who oppose you? How are you reacting to those who may even call themselves a Christian and yet they speak falsehoods about you? Don't say that doesn't happen. It does all the time. Paul commands us, he says, be no more like children. And so he says, quit behaving like a child. Quit rebelling like a child. Quit being spoiled and expecting everybody to take care of you. And he says, instead, speaking the truth in love. You, you have to know the truth to be able to speak the truth. And you have to have matured enough past those things to be able to love in spite of it. The idea of turning the other cheek sounds great on paper. But doing it is another thing. I'm telling you, been there, done that, didn't like it at all. And you do it once and you think, okay, I did it. And then they come back for the second cheek on the other side that you just turned. And then they come again, and then they come again, and then they come again. How are you handling that? 
speaking the truth in love, and we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, who is Christ. Here's the last thing you have to understand. A person who fails to get past level two will cause the person to become frustrated and a constant source of strife in the body of Christ. And those are the ones that I call high-maintenance people. And I don't care what you do, it's never enough. It's never good enough. It's never enough. It, and they just constantly stirring the pot in the church. And if, you'll, if they would stop and look, they'd see that they're falling They've got conflict with God, conflict with themselves, conflict with others, conflict. You know, the devil, I ain't worried about the devil. I'm really, I want to say that because most Christians at that age probably have an idea they can rebuke the devil. The biggest conflict is with themselves and with others. And if they don't recognize, and so the devil uses others to stir up strife against you. And then you take it personally. How many of you know you can't take it personally? You've got to look at, you've got to recognize it for what it is. If this, if this is causing me to lose my temper, if this is causing me to, to feel ill will towards an individual, if this is, this is a spiritual battle. It's being carried out in the flesh, but it's a spiritual battle. And how am I doing with that? And if I don't get past this and learn how to get past this, then you'll stay here frustrated and a constant source of strife. Not only to the body of Christ, to your family, to your friends, at workers, co-workers, everybody. And I don't know anybody that wants to do that. But you have to grow up. We have to grow up. Amen? Let's just take a moment and ask the Lord, is there a place or something in our lives that's a constant irritation because we're having conflict? And if there is, let's repent and ask the Lord right now to forgive Lord, we ask you to forgive in that area of our life, that person, that individual, whomever it may be, whatever it may be. It may be a situation that's out of our control and we feel like that there's people behind it that have manipulated it to come against us. But how are we going to respond? Are we responding in a Christian manner that when they see us, they would see Christ? Or are they going to see a spoiled child pitching a, a tantrum because we don't like the way things are being done? Heavenly Father, help us not to resist your discipline in our lives because you discipline those you love. And the fact that you are correcting us in certain things 
is only proof that you love us. Otherwise, you'd just let us go our merry way. And we'd reap the consequences of our own actions. The Holy Spirit, I just pray that every day that you give us, that you'd make us aware of areas in our life that we need to repent, we need to crucify, we need to walk in the Spirit, get in step with the Holy Spirit in those areas. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we pray, um, on, on Wednesday nights, we'll take a few minutes to pray together corporately on certain things. But I wonder if there's anyone here tonight, you specifically need prayer for something and you want some people to pray with you. Is there anyone? You do? Okay. Why don't you just stand up right? Can you stand right where you're at? I'd, I'd like some ladies to go over and pray with her right now. We're going to come pray for you. The rest of us will believe for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, by the raising of the hand, she makes known the need. Like the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd, nobody around her was aware of her condition and need. And yet when she touched your garment, Lord Jesus, you instantly knew virtue had flown out and that healing had taken place. And we just pray right now as she stands there. She's raised her hand. She's reached through the crowd. And she touches the hem of your garment right now. We agree with her right now, Father. In Jesus' name, touch her. Move mightily right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I know this is going to sound strange, but Katie has been coming to my mind all day today that she needs prayer. I haven't talked to her. I don't know where she's at or anything. I just want you to know I've been praying for her all day long. I can hear her voice. I can hear, see her face. I've been praying for her. And, and, and I just want to pray right now for her. I don't know why. It, it may be something coming. It may be, I don't know what they're going, she may be experiencing right now. But I, I just want to pray for her right now. Father, I just pray for Kate right now. 
I thank you, for, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that you don't bring people to mind to pray for. The devil has never brought anyone to my mind and said, pray for them. And God, the fact that it will not, you will not release her face and her name to me, I, I know that you're saying we need to pray. And so, Father, I just pray the Spirit of God be stirred inside of her, that the Spirit of God would, would make her mind alert and aware. And we come against the enemy who had tried to come against her. And God, I just pray that an angel would be planted right next to her to do warfare in the spirit realm in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, all concerns would be squashed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want us to begin to pray tonight just for revival at the local level, national level, international level. You can stand, you can walk, you can sit, you can kneel, you can do whatever you want for the next five, ten minutes or so we're going to pray. But Father, we need an outpouring of your spirit, Lord God. We need a move of your spirit in such a powerful and dynamic way. Father, we need a breakout in your church, Lord, in your body. God, we need churches that have been dead to be revived. God, that is what revival is. What, that which was once vibes, that which was once alive, has been brought back to life and revived. And by the spirit of the living God, Father, let it begin to blow all across this nation, Lord God. And churches begin to awaken the people therein. A hunger be stirred within them, Lord. Father, as the heat temperature has been rising in record numbers all across this nation. There is a spiritual temperature that is rising. A hunger, Lord God, for you. An outpouring of the Spirit of God, Lord. Father, as drought has, has, has cascaded across the nation from the, from the heat waves, Lord God, there is a rain of the heavens that is coming upon the church and that will quench the thirst and the hunger and the desire of the those that are that are crying out for it even now god send revival send revival holy ghost revival spirit of god revival father one that cannot be harnessed or controlled or dictated by an individual or a group of individuals father but let it be a spirit breakout like we've not seen in years and years in years. God, there's been pockets of it, but Father, we're talking about a 
deluge from heaven. Let it begin to rain the power and the glory and the majesty of your spirit, Lord God. All across this nation, from the east coast to the west coast, north and south and every place in between. Lord, in the metroplexes, Lord. Lord, in the, in the areas of town that nobody wants to go to. Let the breakout of the spirit of God take place, Lord. Father, let there just be a Holy Ghost move. And especially in the Acadiana area, God. We lift this area up. There has been prophetic word time and time again about how God you are gonna you are gonna light this area on fire and that it will spread up and down the Mississippi and then east to west, Lord God. Father, in Jesus' name, let that word come forth. In our days, Lord, in our time, let us see it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, we pray for families. We pray for siblings and children and youth and marriages. Father, that the enemy is trying to rip and destroy the very fabric of our society by destroying families, Lord God. And Father, it's happening even in the church realm, Lord. Father, we pray for the families of Life Church. We pray for the families, Lord God, that they would be strong. They would be knit together, that Father, that they would begin to love one another in a way that they've never expressed before. I know some family members are not expressive, but God, there are ways that we can show that love one to another. And God, I just pray that you would unite our families, that God, that you would come in the midst in their homes and your presence and your 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 spirit would be real, Lord God. Father, let it come forth. Father, we're not writing off one single household. We're not going to allow the enemy to steal one single household. God, every single one begin to move. Get the pride out of the way, Father. Let, let, let husbands and wives begin to operate as one. Begin to work together. Begin as, as a team, Lord God, and stand and build the hedge around their families and around their children and then their extended families, Lord God. We pray for them. We pray for them, Lord God, that you would extend the hedge of protection round about them, Lord, as they stand in the name of Jesus. Father, it may be one and, and standing in a family of many that don't believe. But God plus one is a majority and that we need to not lose hope and not become discouraged and not give up. God, you are able to take the least and use them. You, you, you use David to bring down the Philistine giant, Lord God. You use David and without armor, without all the things that were necessary. But he said, I know the God who helped me he destroyed the lion and the bear and he'll take this Philistine down too. Lord, thank you for the ones who are standing alone. But God help them realize they're not alone for you're standing with them. Even as the three Hebrew children that were thrown into the fire, those young men thrown into the fire, when the king looked and the temperature got so hot, he saw four in there and he said, the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Father, we pray. 
Let them realize they're not alone. That their words carry power, carry authority in the spirit realm, Lord God. Jesus, we know, we know, we know. We know. We will not be deceived. We will not be discouraged. We will not turn away. We will not throw in the towel. We will not give up. If anything, we're standing stronger. God, we draw a line. We dare the enemy to try and cross it because God, if he, he tries to cross it, God, by the power of God, you'll knock him back. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that those who... the the, the, I just feel impressed to pray that those who are married, who the, the flame of passion for one another has dwindled, God rekindle it. Rekindle it. Rekindle it. One for another, Lord. It can't be done from one. Rekindle it. One for another, Lord God. That God, that you would get the glory out of it. You would restore and you would heal. And you would refurbish and you would build and you would establish for a testimony in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I feel that so strong. So strong, so strong, so strong. Right now in the name of Jesus. If you know a family that's being torn apart, I want you to call their name out right now to the Lord. And I want you to intercede for them right now. I feel that's very strong right now. There's an anointing for that right now. I want you to call that name of that family, the husband, the wife, the family, whatever. You call it out to the Lord and then begin to intercede for them. You stand and say, I will stand and I will call their name before you, God. Father, we rebuke the enemy enemy who's trying to come against that household, who's trying to rip it apart. We come against it in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you would dispatch angels, Lord God, to take up residence upon th that property, Lord. Surround that house and infiltrate that house, Lord God. And infiltrate it, Lord, and let the presence of God be felt and impressed in there, that they may sense something that they may not know what it is, but God, it's you. It's you. Shake them up. Bring them to their senses. Let them see clarity. God, there's some, they've, they're like, a, they're in a fog. They're in a haze. And I can see it right now. But Father, as we speak against it, let that fog clear and their mind and their thinking be clear and let their understanding be purged from the from the bias that they that they have adopted the lies that they've bought into the things the excuses that they're latched onto to make excuse for their reasoning, their actions, their doings. Father, in Jesus' name, we come against that. 
and let the let the light of God break through. Even as as Saul was on the road to Damascus, and the light from heaven broke through, knocked him down, and he immediately knew it was you, Lord. God, I pray for that kind of divine intervention right now for families and marriages and homes in the name of Jesus. And Father, I believe there's some with young children and I pray that prophetically those children, their words would strike at the very heart and soul of the mom and dad. As they speak to them, let them hear the voice of Jesus. Let them hear the voice of Jesus. 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 There's some of you that are worried about resources. Your mind is fixed on the shortage. Your mind is fixed on the source of where it will come from. I sense the Holy Spirit just saying, Jesus. Jesus. Instead of thinking on those things and repeating it, the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Every temptation that comes to think about the lack of Speak the name of Jesus. 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 Father, we thank you. We love you. You're a good father. You chose us. You sought us. You're not going to cast us aside. We say, Holy Spirit, let the Father's work come to pass in our lives and through our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray for our team up in Ohio. We thank you for how you've been ministering to them as they've been competing, but God, they've been ministered to every single day in a powerful way. God, let that, this be a life-changing week for them, adults and youth. Give them safe 
mercy of travel on the way home. And when they come home, the testimonies, the fire they're carrying, they'll bring back and they'll spread that flame for the glory of your name's sake. Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, let's just stop there tonight. <laughs> Glory.